All right, so we are on lesson three of Grace, the Power of the Gospel. Now, tonight's lesson is entitled The Purpose of the Law. The Purpose of the Law. So we're going to be going through a lot of scripture tonight. Now, this, this topic here is very meaty. Because I know a lot, of, a lot of us have had a lot of experience with the law. Okay. And understanding that, you know, the law has a purpose. It has a place. Our job is just to put it in the right place. Understanding its true purpose. So let's go to Romans chapter 2. Romans 2. Now I'm going to start at, start at verse 1. I'm going down to verse 4. Romans 2, chap, chapter 2, starting at verse 1, going down to verse 4. And I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. All right, and it reads like this. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say that you are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? Now, the New Living Translation makes it real plain here. Because if you read verse 4, and, then, and King James says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So we see right here where Paul is saying, can't you see that the kindness, that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Now, when you, you hear that, how does that hit you? Like, how, how do you digest that? Well, it hit me in that um, I don't think we, I don't think we do that enough. I think what's promoted is um, is rap. So when I hear that, it's like, but when I, I first heard it, now that now that I hear I can break, but when I first heard it, it was like, well, um, you know, people are kind of getting off the hook, and you just talk about God's goodness. So. Um, you know, but when you grow up here and just rap, then it's kind of, you know, it's, you like, okay, that's different to hear that. Right. Okay. I'd say that the, um, the first impression is, is he just going to ignore sin? Is right. Is he just ignoring something? and yeah. covering it over and we know that's not true by the scriptures it's, right. it's taken more to dig into it mm -hmm. 
when I was yeah, I like the way she put that. She put that. Um, I guess that was what I was trying to say, but yeah, I like the way you you stated that. That's good. Yeah, I know what I was reading at. Uh, this this phrase came to mind that a lot of us use that we are familiar with, like when we talking to somebody, we'll say, "Don't take my kindness for weakness." Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Right. Now, when I when I hear that, it's like, okay, is it is it truly is it truly weakness to show kindness when? someone is deserving of punishment reserved deserving of wrath isn't isn't it the epitome of true strength of being able to look past the the present trouble the mess mm -hmm. and to extend mercy when judgment is justly due Yeah, I like what you said, but it's like society, um, you know, paints you as, or, you know, you're, you're doing that if you do that. You let people walk over here. And then I guess we consider God the same way. God's not going to be a doormat. So therefore, oh, he's got to do something. So he's got to be angry with you. So yeah, and I've got to admit, when I think about that, nobody wants to be a doormat. Nobody wants to be taken advantage of. So I guess our perception is, if we um, embrace this God that's kind and loving, and as the scripture said, it's his goodness of God that brings to repentance, then, you know, well, I guess we have this concept that people are just going to walk all over God and do what they want to do and live how they want to live um, with no conviction. So, we, you know, we feel like we got to preach wrath and judgment and condemnation in order to get them to change their behavior. I wonder. Part of that is that, that um, when we when we think about the goodness of God, we're not always we're not always incorporating what He has done out of that goodness. Because what I'm thinking is when we present that He has carried our sin through Jesus Christ to the cross and death and suffering. That's what really stops me in my tracks faster than anything else. It, when I start thinking that direction, and so when Christ said, or when Paul said, um, um, oh, I figured all that, but anyway, I, I remember Christ and Him crucified. Um, that's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And, and presenting that is going to tell the whole story. It's going to be totally truthful, it's going to be totally honest about what's going wrong in the moment, but it's gonna be overshadowed by um, a pause that remembers how much God has, has done to give us now this new freedom and this new, um, um, what is it? It's a freedom, but it's a freedom that has boundaries to it still. It's the Holy Spirit now. It's the law of the Holy Spirit that we follow instead. 
Mm-hmm. And it's and that's the goal that we're trying to teach as as we're working with other people. I mean, I'm thinking of it from a, from a children's point of view because I'm dealing with my grandkids mm-hmm. in particular. We may all be coming from different pictures in our heads. Right. right. That's good though. That's good. Because I know when when trying to understand, you know, the difference between a law-led life and a spirit-led life, I've used this example before of of a dog that has been used to the master's voice and spending time in the house versus the dog that is has been held captive by fences and by boundaries, right? But has spent no time with the master. So that dog, being that it doesn't really have a real relationship with the master, it is, it is, it is in, the dog is, in order for it to stay in the vicinity of the, the master or not to go across the boundary, it needs these fences. Yeah in order to keep it a in a barrier. But a dog that has, has been trained, spend time with his master, you notice you can, the master could take this dog outside mm-hmm. with no fence. And they could see kids playing. They could see a, a, a cat go by. But they stay close to the master. Yeah. Why? Because they've been trained. They've had time spent with the master. They are obedient to the master's voice. Mm-hmm. So even when they do kind of get tempted to scurry away, the master speaks. What happens? The dog comes back. Yeah. That's a real good picture. So that's, that's, you know, having an understanding of the spirit-led life versus the law-led life. I'm going to borrow that one if that's all right. That's really good to think about. Now looking at my outline here. It says, God's goodness is what causes people to repent, not his wrath. Now, how many of us remember as kids, our parents tell us not to do something? And we obedient because we don't want their butt whooping. But... If, if there was a temptation for us to do it and, and we think we can get away with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how tempted are we to do it? Enough to fail in it. <laughs> right. So is that true repentance? No. It's behavior modification. It's intimidate. It's, it's fear. I am obedient because of the because of the consequence. The potential consequence. When if that gate opens up, they're out the, out the fence. Right. There's no loyalty either. There you go. There you go. There you go. So is which has been my observation in my work. Yeah. As what I'm seeing is, I was explaining um, to Julius that that in the work that I do, I've been trained to do. It, it's like uh, behavior modification. You know you. You teach them the rules, and you you work through that process, and they build their strength. And there's some virtue in the way they build, just like doing exercises at a gym. You know, it's just more mental instead. 
I, and I, I see the advantages of it, but there's no heart commitment to it. So when they finally reach whatever goal we're trying to reach and they walk out the door, I've had so many of them come back and tell me, well, kind of not doing that anymore. <laughs> you know, and they, right. it's like they fall backwards every time. And I thought, this just isn't working and it doesn't satisfy my heart because I'm now learning that everything is about the heart. You, you can't just modify behavior. It doesn't work. So, right. you know, it, it does for a time and there are some people who are, are maybe type A personalities and they, they, um, they'll fight through life all, all through their life and it'll look like it worked. But I just don't see it. And, you know, I deal with weight issues too and I'm, I'm just struggling. I say, I can't go back to those behavior modification. It's got to come from the heart. It's, something's got to change. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those are my two I, areas I, I'm thinking of it, or three, because my grandkids too. I'm sorry. I remember reading, I remember reading something. It was it was a story it was told. It was this man. He was disciplining his little girl, and she kept staying up in the car. And um, you know, he threatened, "Okay, if you don't sit down, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you." And so she finally sat down, and then she finally told him, "She said, okay, yeah, I'm sitting down,' but she's but in, in my mind, I'm standing up, which mm-hmm. means you know, <laughs> he really, you know, attitude there. <laughs> it, man, she she was only doing them." because of the punishment but in her mind she was still was like okay i'm standing up yeah well and i know so, i've done that before i know it right so but her, her thinking hadn't changed just that she was scared to get get a v yeah but you said as soon as she probably you know oh i'm a, i'm really want i really want to stand that's really what she want to do yeah that's good and see there's no transformation in that because when the when the taskmaster is not there, what is the person gonna do? They're gonna do the standing up. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, because they've been led in that path and made a choice, I think they're gonna go even further. I mean, I think the depravity goes deeper in some ways every time that happens. That you're you're met with a choice and you choose to re- choose to not obey the heart just gets hardened yeah right yeah the scriptures bear that out romans 1 hebrews exodus (laughs) i mean that 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 is just that's true to the true to the scriptures right there looking at proverbs 16 verse 6 proverbs 16 and 6 i'm gonna read it in three different translations all right, I'm going to read it in the King James and the Amplified and in the New Living Translation. All right. And King James says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And the Amplified says, By mercy and loving kindness and truth, not superficial rit- ritual, Wickedness is cleansed from the heart, and by the fear of the Lord, one avoids evil. And in the New Living Translation, says, "Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin, but fearing the Lord, people avoid people avoid evil. But by fearing the Lord, people avoid evil." 
Now you see how the Amplified blows that up by mercy and loving kindness and truth, not superficial ritual. Mm -hmm. Wickedness is cleansed from the heart. So that's a, that's a whole different level. Yeah. It's not just that's not that's not behavior modification there. That's heart change. To me, when I when I see mercy and truth together, um, it's a it's um a, a trigger to find out what the word is in the Hebrew, and usually it is the that word chesed or however they say it, which is that um, grace and and um, covenant love. It, it all had to do with the covenant of God. And you, so, yeah, so it's a really deep, mm -hmm. like, marriage relationship, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And that says, and then we know in John 1, I asked why we were down here, was in John 1, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And, right. and we know, okay, then when I see mercy and truth there, it's like in Jesus, atonement is provided for iniquity. I just see his name that's it. all over that. That's it. That's good. That's good. Because that makes me think about, you know, that whole situation where the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, they threw her before the religious crowd and mm -hmm. said, you know, Master, what, you know, what shall we do? She Shouldn't she be stoned? All right? Yeah. All right. And what did Jesus do? He says, okay, but he who has no sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Amazing answer. <laughs> he who is, who is without sin among you, cast the first stone. Mm -hmm. So he didn't, he didn't take away the judgment. Didn't say there wasn't any sin there. But what did he do? He exposed the, the, the reality that there was only one in that crowd that could truly judge that woman. Yeah. And the one who could, who could righteously judge her, what did he choose to do? Yeah. Show mercy. So that, that's that's a that's a that's a prime example of mercy and truth mm. manifesting itself. Do you know what the reference is for that? I can look it up too. Yeah, I'll pull it. I'll pull it. So I'm trying to learn to do is link references. <laughs> now I'm looking at my outline. It says these Jews the, 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 the religious Jews that Paul was speaking to in Romans 2, that they disregarded, they disdained the non-religious people because they weren't keeping the rituals and holy standards of the law. Paul told them, since you've been given a superior knowledge of God's right standards through the law, in addition to your intuitive knowledge, you're doubly guilty. You know, you now have a mental understanding of what is demanded of perfection, and you know you're not keeping it. 
Now, the point of this, of course, was to what? To shut their mouths. Because again, now, the lesson's title tonight is The Purpose of the Law. And, you know, we grew up, I know the majority of us spend our time in church believing that the law was our guidepost, was our, you know, was what our instructions to follow. But we have to understand, okay, yes, the law represents God's standard, but in and of ourselves, I can't just read the commandments and make the decision in my mind with my strength and fortitude to keep them. Mm -hmm. In and of myself, I lack the ability to do that. And, and this stuff is, is so plain throughout the Gospels, throughout Romans, Galatians, all of Paul's letters. So let's, let's go to Romans 3. Romans 3. And let's see. I, I don't want to read this whole chapter, but it really we we kind of we kind of should. Let's let's start at verse one. Let's let's start at verse one, and we'll we'll go down to verse verse six. All right. In the New Living Translation, it says, "Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value?" In the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say. And you will win your case in court. Verse 5. But some might say our sinfulness serves as a good purpose. For it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? <clears throat> this is merely a human point of view. Verse 6. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? Verse 7, but someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? Verse 8, and some people even slander us by claiming that we say the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Okay, now what are we seeing here? Especially in these last few verses. It's all the human arguments. <clears throat> but they're saying that, um, you know, yeah, I guess they're trying to make a case that it's okay to sin because it, it shows how good God is. We sin, then He showed mercy and toward us, then that's proven, you know how good he is because we're sinning and that's what I get out of it but 
he's saying that's not that's not the case. So, because if if it, that's proven how merciful and how wonderful and how good God is because I sin, then why why is God punishing me? Because hey, I'm only you know proving how wonderful He is by me sinning and making mistakes, and then He gives me and stuff like that. So I think that that's the argument that Paul is. I mean, yeah, he's making in these verses. Yeah. Unless you say that's a human point of view of looking at it. You look at the human point of view. Mm-hmm. It's almost like justifying sin. Right. <clears throat> when I'm looking at verse 8, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the people that they throw the label greasy grace at, at folks greasy grace greasy grace greasy grace you never heard that phrase i've never heard that <laughs> easy grace is what i've been hearing okay easy easy, easy greasy yeah same same concept oh, okay. it is the same same okay. concept actually you know. yes i've had people do that recently so yeah. it, it, right because when you rings. when you present the gospel the way paul did then somebody is going to accuse you of this Mm-hmm. It's automatic. If there's any religious folk around, mm. this accusation is coming your way. If you if you present the gospel the way Paul did, right? Because you, this is what people are gonna say, and this is the argument I've got. They, they say, well, okay, and they quote the scripture. They say, well, okay, uh, Jesus came. He said he came to fulfill the law, not do away with it, and that's their. Um, what's where I use? their defense of, you know, preaching wrath and condemnation and, you know, just preaching, making people fearful of what's going to happen to them if they continue to sin. So they say, well, Jesus came to fulfill the law, you know, not to do what he said that. And yet, you're right, Jesus, he came to fulfill the law because he only wanted to do it. So and he did do that. And then, you know, because we we still we're still looking at it, you know, from a human perspective, you know, when we when we when we make those types of statements against the gospel, as if the gospel in and of itself does not have the power to produce righteous, righteous living. Because but how can I truly live righteously? If I don't know that my righteousness is of him instead of myself. Because if I if I believe that my righteousness is contingent on my behavior, then I am going I'm on a very shaky foundation. I'm Holy Ghost filled five baptized one week. Then the next week I eat a couple of cookies and I I look at some some woman, you know, a little little too long. Then I, you know, I, I, I get mad at my supervisor, my coworker. Now I'm a dirty dog sinner. Right? And then I got to build myself back up before I can feel righteous. So the relationship is just up and down. Yeah, you you make a strong point because that's why I encourage people. I mean, the the book that Andrew wrote, um, Spirit, Soul, and Body, that is, um, to me, powerful because 
um, when you understand those three entities, um, and you, you just made a statement that, you know, I've been made right. It's not from my own merit, but when you understand your spirit is made right and understand that part of you has been made righteous, then, you know, it gives you a, uh, understand I'm not focusing on my own ability. I mean, you, you have to learn how to embrace what Christ has done on the inside of you and believe it because you can't see your spirit. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Or feel it. <laughs> right. So we say, I said, or feel it. I mean, we get right. by feeling feel. so much. Right. And, but when you understand that, then you said, okay, if I, if I receive by faith, I've been made righteous. Okay. Now, uh, to me, that's what gives me to the focus of my behavior and says, okay, well, if this is what Christ already if I believe what he's already done, as I renew my mind, if I believe in righteous, now I'm going to act righteous because I've learned that um, right believing, you know, you know, produces right behavior. Well, you believe right, then you're going to behave right because I got to first embrace, okay, that my spirit be made righteous. If I believe that, then I, that I'm not righteous based on my own ability, but based on what Jesus did, and I embrace that. Now, if I believe I'm, I'm made righteous, whether I missed the mark or not, then my behavior is going to change. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Now, I'm going to go back to Romans 3. Verses 9 through 18. I'm staying in the New Living Translation. And it says, Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. He's quoting Old, Old Testament scripture here, the Psalms. Right. So going back to verse 10, it says, No one is righteous, not even one. So no man standing on his own merit, <clears throat> born of, of, of a woman, no one is righteous, not even one. Whether Jew or Gentile. Right. So now, let's keep reading. Verse 19. So again, we're talking about what? What is the purpose of the law then? Because if the law is not our two, our vehicle to get to righteousness, then what are we doing? All right, verse 19 says, Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. 
for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the whole world is guilty before God. All right, so we see that. All right, now I'm going to piggyback on this and jump to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, and we're going to read verses 19 to 25. Galatians 3, 19 to 25. Again, we, we, we in the New Living Translation. Now, Paul asked, asked the question, Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who was one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promise? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could have been made right with God by obeying it but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ before the way of faith in Christ was available to us we were placed under guard by the law we were kept in protective custody so to speak until the way of faith was revealed let me put it another way the law was our guardian until Christ came it protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the faith, the way of faith has come, we are no longer, we no longer need the law as our guardian. So you see how Paul, he's systematically given us the, the, the true purpose of the law. And it was a kindness. And that really comes out in Galatians. What a kindness from the Lord. In reading this, this kind of it gives me a revelation, an understanding of what the difference is between milk and meat. Because in my in my works based mixed covenant days, I I thought that the meat was the law yeah. and John 316 yeah. is the milk right but it's actually it's, it's the exact opposite it's the opposite it's the exact opposite because human understanding can understand law it can it can understand rules and regulations boundaries but the natural man can't understand the grace of God because it violates natural understanding. Mm -hmm. It supersedes natural understanding. How can a God of, of absolute holiness and, and justice extend mercy and love the way he did in the person of Jesus Christ? How, how could he do it? 
See, that, that, that's that's a that's that's not that's not a head thing. That's not. That's a heart revelation. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean I understand that you know with with the law. Um, I mean the law takes no faith to do that. It takes no faith. It takes no um, you know seeking God. You know the law just pretty much say okay. Yeah. You know that not that should not don't do it. We just want to rule and. Just takes <laughs> right. We talking about living by the Holy Spirit. Now we talking about, as you just said, you know, being led by the Spirit. Okay, now I have to. To me, I somebody they said that's the upgrade versus the law. It's like an upgrade, like when you upgrade your phone. It does and take faith too, doesn't it? To walk. Yeah, it takes faith to live by the Holy Spirit because now I got to depend on. Okay, I'm got, I'm trying to learn to hear God. Speaking when you read the word, you know, I'm speaking, you know, speaking to you as how in situations, how to do certain things, how you want me to care of myself, what's right or so. And you let you live by the Holy Spirit, and it takes the faith to do that, to trust that God's going to speak to me and direct me and order my steps. But with the law, you just depending on okay, the do's and don'ts, the do's and don'ts, and, and so, but it doesn't take faith for that. Now, going back to Romans 3. All right. Verse 19. And let's go down to 25. <clears throat> Romans 3, 19, 25, 26. All right. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised, in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this. Through Christ Jesus, when he was when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood, his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when we believe in Jesus.
So Paul is he, he is he is deconstructing this whole idea of law keeping for righteousness sake. I mean, he, he is completely dismantling that. And I got a, go ahead. I got a question. Do you think people are not? And I know for me, I was. Do you think a lot of people are not aware that they live by the law? Do you think it's it's not taught enough, or you people are just ignorant to what's you know they're living by? But they think they're. I think we're ignorant of the gospel. Not the law. Okay. What do you think? That sounds bad. I, I can I can kind of agree with that. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Ignorant about the gospel, but the law. Okay. I, I I see my family bumping against this as we're processing this, and the thing that we keep hitting up against is, ah, oh, I didn't do, I didn't do, I didn't do, I didn't do, and this weight of of guilt that comes on and I say well that's just that's again just falling back on the law isn't it that's that's what it's revealing is is a mind that's set on the law instead of of running to the gospel and saying thank you Jesus you did <laughs> you did when I didn't and what you did is going to be enough to get me over this hurdle of mess that I've made and and on to the path that you intend for me but we haven't had this this um, view of the gospel because we don't know the word that well yeah right. you know we're learning it but it's it's slow process but I'm like Julie I was I was mixing it yes I was, I was mixing it. I was you know one minute I was preaching grace but yet I was, you know, preaching law and I was mixing it, you know, and of course, you know, I was, yeah, I did embrace that teaching on what okay, well, Jesus didn't come and do away with the law, but to fulfill it. So I'm like, okay, so I can't throw the law away. Yet, you know, I do want to preach grace because, you know, to me, grace was John three sixteen. Right, right. You preach that, you know, but at the same time, you know, after people get saved, then you got to tell them how, okay, you can't do this, you can't do that, and, you know, you have to make sure, otherwise, and to me, it's kind of trying to control people. You got to make sure that they do what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do, and how they're supposed to do it, and they don't, if they don't do it, then um, you preach condemnation. You condemn them, and you, you point fingers at them, and, you know, tell them how bad they are, and so hoping that they feel guilty. And, and question the position with the Lord, too. Right. Yeah. And, and that's sort of where I feel like the church that we we're, we belong to is at right now. Is they're wrestling with this. Well, I don't know if they're wrestling. I'm wrestling. <laughs> um, but, you know, because they're very conscious and, and using concepts of grace and finding grace passages. But, but at the same time, they're... they're Oh, it's just mixture, just like what you said, right. very much. And I'm like you, I used to belong to churches like that too, because, you know, when I, when I started preaching this, you know, like Paul preached it, then 
Um, it was it was some pushback. It was some pushback because they were so used to, um, you know, like it says. Well, what about saying, you know, that's the question that because Paul kept getting the same question. Okay, you saying it's the goodness of God, repentance, but what what about sin? I, you know, what about it? You know, people sin. What do you do? You know, and like I said, when you understand the gospel, you get a revelation. As Paul was saying, how good God is. You're not going to want to do that stuff anymore. You I think know, that's what's the part that's the hardest is for people to actually get to the point where they believe. Right. Well, with all of us, to get to the point where we believe that we really are not going to even want to go there because of our relationship with the Lord and how, how deep it's mm-hmm. gone and how much we're, we're listening to Him day by day. Yeah. It's very much relationship, like you've been saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we get ahead of ourselves, but when you get into Romans 6, where Paul talked about, you know, how can you sin? Mm-hmm. He says, sin, shall we sin that grace may abound? I mean, that sin may abound much more. And he said, no, certainly not. He was basically saying, okay, when, when you receive Christ, he gives you a new one to. He said, you're not going to want to indulge in us. He gives you a new warranty. He gives you, you know, a new equipment and it says, hey, hey, when I do sin, this is uncomfortable. This is not feeling good. So yeah. Yeah. You, you get the, when you get, get saved, then he gives you a new warranty. But of course, we as Christians, we do miss the mark. Well, it's interesting because I think I would say uh, all of us who have have fallen into the mixture group we would definitely say there are things in our lives where we have walked in faith with the Lord and we've tasted the goodness of the Lord and said the other has no appeal because this is so much better right. but to incorporate it into an entire world view into an entire life view that's that's a big step <laughs> yeah and that's and that and that is the process that we walk day by day, mm-hmm. renewing our minds. But I just I was having a conversation, but they was focusing on, you know how, you know well you know we become short and I still got things to work on. And I was telling you know yeah that's true we all got got we in in this life in this flesh we're never gonna be perfect we're never going to reach perfection in this flesh yeah i said we, we got to understand that we've been made righteous our spirit has been made perfect and when i said that to her she really didn't fully understand but you got to get a revelation okay when god saved he, he didn't save your your body and your mind those two have to be renewed yeah okay okay but he saved your spirit and so that's how he deal with us spirit to spirit because when I got a revelation, then I said, okay, so I don't have to, even though I feel bad, I don't have to beat myself up because, hey, I know with him, I've been made righteous. He still sees me as righteous. It, it, his, he hasn't changed his mind about me because we, and I grew up, you know, thinking, and I, hey, okay, once I sin, I'm a sinner again. And so now I got to crawl my way back to Jesus, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sinner saved by grace, right? Yeah. So now I said sinners saved by grace. 
That's right. the phrase that's, that I hear all the time in the church. It's sinner saved by grace. And, and what this week has really impre- impressed me with is, no, I'm a new creation. That's, yes. It's really um, earth-shattering when you, uh, when you start to embrace that as mm-hmm. a reality. That's a completely new spirit. Yeah, I, I grew up on that. And I say, background, I still hear people say that. And But we don't understand when I got a revelation of what makes you a sinner. What makes you a sinner? The Bible said we were born into sin. So if I'm born a sinner, mm-hmm. how does my actions make me a sinner? Okay, I was born with this sinful nature. Okay, mm-hmm. so the moment I came in the world and, and we didn't do anything to become a sinner, we were just born into a, a sinful world. Came with the sinful nature and that made yeah, me a that's sinner. That's right, that's right. Okay. And so, therefore, what we were teaching is, okay, okay, so when I become saved, I remember I tell people, okay, hey, I remember coming out with a song that says, when the saints go marching in. It didn't say, when the sinners saved by grace go marching in. That's right. <laughs> you know, most, so. Most I'm a, people you talk to will cringe if you tell them they're a saint. They'll say, I'm not going to be a saint until I get to heaven. Exactly. I mean, that's how they cover that line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, when you embrace that, it's like, okay. When I miss the mark, that don't I don't fall back into a sinner. No, I just miss the mark. Okay, but I'm still, I'm still righteous. I'm still a saint. I'm still a believer. I just, I just miss the mark. And when you understand that that difference, I think it, like you said, really, you're able to embrace what you just said, a relationship with Christ, and understand that hey, I, I'm forgiven for my sins past, present, and future. And I think we have a hard time with that when you tell people that they are forgiven for their past sins, then it's like, wait a minute, you mean tell me uh, God is giving forgiveness on credit? Yes. <laughs> He's already been paid for, so. Well, that's, that's what I love. Where, where was that verse? Was that Galatians? The Galatians passage? Where it actually says that, that he was, in his forbearance, he, he overlooked the sins that were happening in the children of Israel um, until the time of Christ. Okay. That's exactly what I get from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means that the ones that we haven't committed yet <laughs> can also be forgiven because God's not in our time frame. He's He's bigger than that. Right. Well, the one that did it for me was, I think, in Romans, I think, 4, where he said that, hey, um, your your sins have been forgiven. He says, hey, I'm not holding them against you. Mm. We say, he said, I'm not holding your sins. So now I think that's in, like, Romans 6, like, 16. But that would do it for me. I said, okay, so if he's not holding my sins against me, Okay, then that lets me know. Okay, my that that tells me past, present, and future. My sins are given because if he's not, then otherwise I think he used the word. Um, it's an accounting term. He used. I think it's in Romans six, but it's not. Your sins are not accredited to you. It's not building up, you know. And then you have to, you know, do good works to get rid of them, you know, and so forth. And like I said, I, I grew up with this thing, you know. Um, you know, you hopefully that you, when you get to heaven, you're good, I wear your bad. Which is a very Muslim way 
of, <laughs> of looking, well, in every religion. Yeah, a very, like very religious way. Very religious way. Because yeah. that's, I mean, because you, you know, when you talk about religion, when you un, when you peel the layers back, it goes back to behaviorism, yeah. works righteousness, right. which has the balances. Right. Let's go. Let's go to Romans six since oh. since Eric mentioned it. Romans six. Because this whole idea of identity, you know, you because the reality is you you're not going to behave consistently outside of your identity, right? So you if consistently you, behave outside of your identity, okay? Because if you're just a sinner saved by grace, then that means that you are a sinner that might do some good things every now and then. Mm-hmm. But you're still just old sinner. So it's still how you see yourself, it's that mind. Yeah. Controls. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at, uh, let's, let's start at verse one. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? But have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. Now we also may live new lives. New lives. We have died to sin. Now, when when people hear that, it's like, what you mean? Yeah. I saw you cuss out that cashier yesterday. Mm-hmm. You ain't died of no sin. You lying. You a hypocrite. What are you saying? But see, people don't. Well, people don't. He's, yeah, he's talking about your sinful nature, not your behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that really that really does help. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it, but that. Um, separating the two out, the doing versus the being. Mm-hmm. And the being is what Christ died, I mean, really all of it, but, but the being is what Christ took care of at the cross, right? Yeah. And the doing right. is just a reflection of whatever we're believing. There you go. Right. There you go. There yep. you go. Good. There you go. I'm I'm just gonna be reading Romans the whole the whole book because I because it is because I can't because I mean I don't want to piecemeal this that's right that's right because look at verse five all right it says since we have been united with him in his death we will also be raised to to life as he was all right so that's the redemption of the body mm. we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So that sin might lose its power over our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Anytime of behavior. We are no longer slaves to sin. So when you are just a sinner, then you don't have no choice but to sin because that's who you are. 
that's what that's what I've been actually reciting on our way here, on my way here, was um, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. So I no longer live. Who no longer lives? A slave to sin no longer lives. And just kind of pounding that into my my heart because it's 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 just such a new. I mean, it's something I've heard many times, but I just thought it's got to drop into the heart. It's got to get there completely. The thing, the thing I pull out is it says, okay, when, when, when you're dead, you can't sin, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> see it. So I, I, as I die, I mean, if I knew I've, I've died in Christ, then okay, yeah, if I still, like I said, I'm never going to be perfect, my baby, but I'm going to sin less and less. Because I consider myself dead. But getting, yeah, but getting that concept of I have died with Christ, that's the trip right. up right there. Yeah. Because you're talking again, spirit, which thankfully now we have the understanding of spirit, soul, and body. That really has helped a lot. But yes. um, you know, you know that you're st- <laughs> you know you're still alive in the flesh. So it's to get that concept of my spirit has actually died is it has to come from revelation right verse 8 says and since we died with christ we know we will also live with him we are sure of this because christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again death has death no longer has any power over him when he died he died once to break the power of sin but now that he lives he lives for the glory of god so you also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to god through christ jesus okay now if anyone questions you about the power of believing point them to verse 11. So this is Paul saying, so you also consider yourselves dead to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. The the reality of our identity, that revelation, that's what's going to give birth to right behavior right there. This is Paul. This is Paul just clearly putting that out there. Now, now you see the encouragement to follow through. In verses 12 to 14, it says, Don't, do not let sin control the way you live. Mm-hmm. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Mm-hmm. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. 14. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. I think um, another concept that has really helped, though, is to realize we tend to have a wrong understanding of freedom, that freedom is free for all, 
And mm -hmm. in fact, freedom is freedom now to have relationship with the Lord and to live as He intended for us to live rather than just freedom to do whatever I want and freedom to, to um, pick and choose what I'll do and what I won't do in the Lord. And um, so freedom, freedom into relationship, the ability to actually walk with God again is, is what freedom is. That's good. And that's helped me a lot because um, um, before, you know, what most people are talking about when they're talking about freedom is just freedom to sin, which is what three is all about, right? That's good. Because we sometimes there, there's this idea of freedom and lasciviousness being a synonym. Exactly. But it's actually what we can't avoid on our own. I mean, all of us. And that's what I think in the church we don't realize, <clears throat> is that all of us could be in that, the, the depths of what we think is the sinful life. It, we're already there in our hearts, and that's what Jesus revealed in Matthew. Right. Is we're already there in our hearts. It's just we've kind of um, uh, toughed up and not let let it show very much because paul paul said in corinthians the law is the strength of sin exactly so going back to the the the, the picture of the dog inside the fence so if that dog has lived his whole life inside that fence a picture of freedom for him is to be loose from that fence to be free to just run amok because the what is the motivator motivating factor keeping him inside that fence the walls it's the walls themselves right so that dog identifies freedom as the ability to run amok but that's what works righteousness will do. So what does that other dog identify freedom as? The ability to see a, a, a field, a, a, a bound, a, an environment free from outside restraints, mm -hmm. but the ability to rest in the master's voice to guide them so they they're free freedom to trust him it sounds like freedom to to trust and to rest to to be able to explore what's in front of them and to understand that if they go too far and they hear the master's voice they can trust that the master is speaking to them to so free to keep them that. free from danger wow. right because the scripture says what well, the lord is my shepherd Absolutely. and i shall not and our shield want which i see the shield now because he says he's a rear guard or foreguard or side guard I see the shield is like like that rainbow around his throne in heaven it's that's good it's a spear 
of protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not walking around with a Rosenbaum fence around you wherever you go. You ain't got a picket fence around you everywhere you go. Right? Right. You can't tangibly see it. But the Lord says, he got your back. Mm -hmm. He is our shield. He is our fortress. He is our refuge. That's what what David said all the time. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life. And that's after I've gone into the dark valley even. Mm. Or been in the field with my enemies. She she mentioned freedom and um, this scripture jumps out of me. um, It was in Galatians Galatians 5 and 13. It says, I'm reading from the New Living. It says, but you have been called to live in freedom. And it says, um, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. They had used your freedom to serve one another in love. It says, 14 says, for the whole law can be summed up in one command, love your neighbors as yourself. And then 15 says, if you are always fighting, dividing one another, watch out, beware, destroying one another. So it says we, we call living freedom, but it says don't use your freedom. I think the King James verse says your liberty, you know, to, yeah. to satisfy your your um, lustful desires. And so yeah, we call it to be free. But I think Jews made a good point. It says, so I'm living in freedom, but if I'm, if I'm in tune with the master's voice, and if I'm heading in the direction of some danger, then he's going to let me know, okay, you know, you don't want to do that or you don't want to go there. So, but yeah, he wants us to live free. Right. You know, we want to be free. We're not in bond. We're not, you know, like I said, we're, we're free from the law of this law keeping because we couldn't keep it in our own ability. But now my freedom, okay, I'm free, but I'm free to, to do what I ought to do, not what I want to do. <laughs> That's good. Now, I just saw a note from Miss Delilah, who's, who's listening in tonight. It says, she points this out. I, I, it, it looks like this is from Andrew's commentary. It says, note, note 3 at Romans 3.22. Notice that Paul did not say that this righteousness of God came by faith in Jesus Christ. No, it's, it came, it comes by the faith of Jesus Christ. Yeah. There is a big difference. Our faith does not produce our righteousness. Jesus obtained righteousness, the perfect right. righteousness of God through his faith. And it and offers it to everyone who will believe on him as Lord. Therefore, our faith, which is also a gift from God, Ephesians 2 and 8, just receives what Jesus has already obtained for us through his faith. Jesus obtained our justification and righteousness through his faith. So we we're not even it's not even about our faith to believe. Our, our response is to see the grace of God. And my, my part, our part, is to respond accordingly. That's faith. That's our faith. That's, that's what all we do is receive. We just receivers. Mm-hmm. That's good.
let me throw a question out here okay now after coming out of this study tonight you go to your job or you go around some family members tomorrow and they say what y'all talk about tonight y'all know you had that bible study again right y'all talking about grace that's all y'all talk about is grace right but how do you have a orderly society in an orderly world in an orderly life without any rules how do we respond to it well i mean my response to that is the, the laws are just they only can show you your mistakes your sins that's all they can do it only has the power to show you where you messed up at okay but it can't correct it can't do nothing for the heart <laughs> so you know we live in a society that needs laws that people need to um, know what i want to keep things under control to make sure sin doesn't get out of, out of out of control where innocent people get hurt and i think so we need laws we need traffic laws but people are not running to stop like so it's there to have some control but it can't do anything for the heart. Like I use the example, okay, you know, if the speed limit is 55, now it's there to a safety. But it, it knowing that the speed limit is 55 can't do nothing for your foot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you still gonna you still gonna speed. So laws are important, but they only can show you where you messed up. It can't do anything for the heart. Good. So it's like a mirror, right? Right. A like mirror can just a mirror can show you the dirt on your face, but it can't clean it. Yeah. Right. All it just it can just show you what's there. Like, oh, you got a big, you know, you got a big big piece of mud on your face. <laughs> but it is it's not it's it doesn't the mirror in and of itself doesn't have the power to clean it off you. And so it is with the law. The law, all it's doing is showing the dirt on our face. Mm -hmm. But it's God's grace that has purchased the soap for us. And given, given us the water to wash that dirt off. Now I want to keep and faith is the the vehicle for receiving it. Yeah. And what I was thinking when when we read in twenty two faith, the faith of Jesus Christ, I was thinking, um, and I think it might be Andrew Womack that says it, um, that faith is the currency of heaven. Have you heard that phrase? Mm -hmm. Okay, faith is the the currency of heaven of. of thought of that because it, it's a good picture image to me um, and, it, and it says I believe in Ephesians that's you know that that's the Lord has given us the abundance from heaven and mm -hmm. and so everything we have even the faith is from him it's a gift it's it's in a sense what we now use to give back to him to to um, 
um, to relate to these things that he's given us. Um, giving us through grace, that's the cleanness, the everything. That's good. Yeah. It, it helped because it suddenly was not something I'm trying to squeeze out of myself. Mm-hmm. Something that he's he's produced. Right. He's put it in my hand. All I have to do is show it because um, he's made the way for all of it. Oh, what what was it? The um, redemption slip. Like when you've ordered something online and all you have to do is show the barcode. He's given us the barcode. That's good. Mm-hmm. So you mean you you didn't have to work a two eight hour shifts in order to earn earn that um that product? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he already paid for. It. All you gotta do is show the slip. That's all you have to do. And that's a matter of choice. And there's the freedom again. That's the freedom he's he's bought for us. Is now the choice to pull out the barcode and go up to the counter and receive it. Verse 15, Romans 6 says, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Now you see, he continues this this same question every time. So what you saying, Paul? I didn't just sin. Of course not. Well, we're hung up on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He addresses it a lot. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Verse 17. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from the slavery, from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. And in King James, it just says in verse eighteen, "Being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness." Yeah, when it says slaves of righteousness, I have to admit that the terminology is not comfortable to me. <coughs> do, you, do you have any sense of, you know, because slave then it makes it sound like you don't have a choice again, which doesn't sound free. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at, I'm thinking about that whole concept, though, it's like, okay. Because New Living Translation uses the word slaves, but King James uses ser- the word servant. And New King James uses slaves, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But now, if I look at the Thayer's definition, all right, it says, to make a slave of, reduce to bondage. Give myself wholly to one's needs and service. Make myself a bondman to him. That's what I was wondering. Bond servant. Is that more the concept of this then? 
because I am bound to righteousness because of what Christ did. I I am a, I am marked. You are marked because you you are in bondage to righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so, if I ever wanted to be in any type of bondage, it's to be bound to righteousness. One well, actually, here's what pops into my heart is marriage. It's again, it's a picture of marriage. And once you become united, you are a new creation. And that's not something to be torn apart. So it's a the That servant of righteousness is basically that marriage to righteousness. And you together have become something. And that's what we are with Jesus. We've become something new with Jesus, and that marriage cannot be broken. That's good. It's awesome. All right, y'all. Well, I thank everyone for joining us this evening. Okay. And we will see you next week.